My name is Jack Oatway. And I am Jay Oatway. And welcome back to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Sun, episode 36, my it, favorite number. It, it is, maybe not in chronological order, because I don't know how we're posting these, but let's assume it is the 36th episode, and uh, it's about Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. You've come to a podcast that speaks of role-play game things, mm-hmm. and today... D&D role-play game things. That role-playing yes, game. Yes, the world's greatest role-playing game self-proclaimed but i didn't <clears throat> really sometimes uh it's on the books it's it, they can't lie it about these true. things <laughs> yeah um yeah today i want to talk about role-playing we've spent much time discussing mechanics we've looked at spells and we've looked at feats and we've looked at subclasses and we've we've talked about all of these sort of you know, the component pieces that build your character uh, or your adventure. <clears throat> but but really, one of the most fun things that happens in Dungeons & Dragons is the role play. And I'm here today offering this little bit up because it's like a public service announcement because I'm worried. I am worried of for the soul of Dungeons and Dragons. It's it, dramatic. It's on a dark path. I don't, I, what? Uh, I've been watching a lot of D&D online. I've been playing a lot of D&D, both online and mm-hmm. a little bit in real life. <clears throat> but it, here's the problem. There's a problem. The role-playing portion of the game, where your character just does cool stuff, is being wrecked. Being destroyed wow. by Big by dungeon masters, new and old, by pros and rookies, by those who are writing modules and and campaign adventures and settings, <clears throat> skill challenges, uh, ability checks are there's a time and a place for them, folks. They are being way overused and used wrongly and they are wrecking the game they're ruining it for everybody nobody's having fun at dnd anymore wow all right now the first part of your monologue i'm sure you'll give us a reason why you think so but um as the the sensible of the two of us you know you're the eccentric dragon and i'm the little hatchling one of us has to be adultish (laughs) right um I think it's uh, fair to say that many people might think that little claim is a, it's a bit provocative, a bit, you know, misguided. You know, seems a little, a little crazy. Um, you but no, watch. You go watch even our beloved Critical Role, Matt Mercer, who can basically no, do no wrong in the minds of most D and D players out there. Often players say, "Oh." I want to do such and such, or not just I want to, they say, oh, I go over and do this thing. And Matt will say, okay, well, give me a such and such role for it. No, not always. He's actually better than many of them. But a lot of times you don't need to ask the player to do that. Matt at his very best when somebody says, oh, I go over and I, I, you know, want to paint a picture of the sunset or practice my instrument or whatever it might sort of be, you can just do those things without the dice having to get involved in the story at all. When they're just discussing things, they don't have to roll, though. Exactly. And, and nor should you at home, folks. Don't let the dice get in the way of the story. The dice are there for very specific times. You don't have to roll the things all the time. Sometimes you can just 
role play scenes. Your character, if they're proficient at something and pretty good at it, can just do amazing, heroic, wonderful things uh, without a nat one coming up and derailing the whole damn game. All right, well, there you go. I agree with your argument. The way you put it is so off-putting, is so divisive, I almost feel, you know, that I feel like people, some people really want dice-heavy games or just aren't aware of, you know, super experienced with playing tons and tons and tons of role-playing game or like the rolling. People want to roll the dice, but, and I think at a table, there's something about holding them in your hand. You can't wait to sort of clickety-clack little math rocks on the table. It's in the song. Roll the dice. I know. But in, in our online era of rolling dice, trying to find the right ability or skill stat to click on and let the digital dice do their thing is, it slows the game down. So use that only when you need to. And I'd like to go in and talk a little bit about specific cases of how we should do ability checks. So I want to talk about ability checks, which are one of the three main types of roles we have with the dice in Dungeons and Dragons. The first being combat uh, uh, attack rolls, uh, the next one being saving throw rolls, and the big one being that we're going to talk about here is ability checks. And, and they're called ability checks in the game. They're not called skill checks. We may all call them skill checks at the table, and we all may get often very confused as to just which skill we should be using for which things. But I think we, first of all, as good DMs, we need to take a step back and be thinking in terms of ability checks. Um, <clears throat> you know, something that you think should be, say, animal handling, you should first back that up and think, this is really a wisdom check. Um, it's something that's really heavy that needs to be lifted or moved. You need to think that's a strength Well, I think check. you also have to think about what to, remind yourself what each ability is, you know, because yeah. I think we sometimes forget, like, wisdom is especially a hard one, you know, like, what Versus is wisdom? Yeah. I think intelligence is also a hard one to sort of, you know, grasp. I think we have a, a basic understanding of it, but I think it's also good to understand, you know, how are they approaching this, you know? Just because uh, intimidation is a charisma thing, you know, the uncharismatic half-orc with uh, giant, you know, biceps flexing them with his, his huge great axe is probably gonna be a little bit more intimidating than that weasley little bard in the corner absolutely and this is this is back to my original treatise here we need to be role playing as players and as a dm i want to see do everything i can to encourage my players to be role playing so i don't want them to go over and go okay i want to make a charisma intimidation check and, and that's, I mean, players out there, please stop calling for checks that you want to make. That's like a big... Uh, I think we're all guilty of it. You're guilty of I, it. I I'm too. guilty I of it. Too. Like, and this is it's hence, so easy to just go to, oh, uh, can I make an insight check? Why like, we're doing this PSA. Even the professionals make it. That's why we're doing this mistake. PSA today, right? Public service announcement, stop making calls for checks as a player. What you want to do instead is you want to role play being intimidating. I think just in the same way that we sort of, we almost like treat, when I first learned the game, it was like, all right, instead of saying to me, um, I make an attack roll with my great axe, you say, I lunge over to the bad guy and swing at him with my great axe. You know, like it's that role play factor. Yeah. We do with it attack rolls. The DM is great at doing it, especially when we uh, have saving throws where he'll even say, make a blank saving throw after describing this cool thing or, you know, watching it take effect, you know, like. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think and that's another sort of side discussion, but saving throws, you should be describing the effect of it on a player before you ask for the the save to be made. Well, I mean, and, I, like, especially and I spells think also, and things like that. Again, depending on how fast your combat is going or slowly, um, I, I wouldn't say, I'd make an argument even to ask a player to describe, say, how how they're resisting whatever it might be that they're trying to resist with their saving throw. Like, add a little bit of a description to it. Um, I don't know. I sort of feel like... I going. Let's go back to ability checks, though, first. Um, so ability checks are largely, uh, you know, they're a lot looser, typically speaking, uh, in a social interaction sort of setting. 
um, although often played wrong by people. Um, there's actually a, a bit in the DM's guide on social interaction. And it's not just like, oh, I walk up and I'm going to use my mighty charisma to charm this person. Um, it really depends on, there's, there's a little chart about first starting, a, it says basically start a conversation. Um, and you sort of look at what their starting attitude is when you approach them for the conversation. And you let the conversation play out. Are they friendly, indifferent, or hostile? Can your conversation move them from one of those brackets to another bracket? And then you roll to see if within that you can get them to either help you or at least not harm you. The thing I think I, I, I dislike and a lot of people dislike about putting brackets or mechanics into role play is that it sort of makes it feel a little unnatural. Well, I, I, and I'm arguing exactly that. Don't put too much mechanics. I'm just trying to use that framework there to get us to think the same way about everything, right? So, well, I, I, I think that's... That almost becomes I th- intuitive. I, I think, think the I don't need a chart to tell me that a hostile okay, sure, ca- but, character isn't going to be, you know, very but helpful. But what I want to see is, um, I want to see the athletics check before it happens. I want to see some role play from our super strong, beefy character. And I really think as a DM, that just as, as a good bit of conversation could change the attitude of an NPC... I think a good bit of role play at the table is going to make your athletics check easier. And that's that's all I'm trying to do here is to make the characters that are really good at it, um, to get their players to lean in, to be part of their character, to get into the role, and to do these things, and then to succeed. And sometimes I wouldn't even need to roll. I mean, if they've got already like plus six to their athletics check or whatever... It'll be enough for whatever they're doing. It'll be enough unless there is a real risk of conflict, right? That there's some real reason of opposition against you. Um, Opposed athletics, acrobatics checks and grapples or things like that where you're actually in a fight. Um, Otherwise, like if you've got a character who's really good at something in the role-playing, social, interacting, exploring phase of your game, you should let players lean into their roles and do stuff, especially, particularly, if they role-play it. If they don't want to role-play it, if they just want to call for the check, then yeah, forget them. Like, put a high DC on it and watch them fail. Let the dice dictate the story if the player won't. Lawful evil dungeon master. (laughs) The lawful evil dungeon master. Um... But do you, you get where I'm going with this? Like, what I want to encourage people to do is put the role-playing back in the, the world's greatest role-playing game. And it's not the world's greatest dice-rolling game. Sounds like a political game. campaign almost somehow. <laughs> I'm on a soapbox, <laughs> damn it. I am going to get us all playing better at Dungeons & Dragons. I agree. I think on terms of even stripping away some of those, the idea of mechanics or shifting from certain positions on a table to... Just the, the simple idea of making the, like like you said, just making it more role play focused. You know, you don't have to consult the table or the numbers every single time. Like, I agree that given eight hours, my party should be able to search the room and find that major plot point. Yes. I may still request a check if there's some thing that's just a little extra that doesn't impact the story. That could just be a fun thing that they might not find on their own. But there comes a point where... They're just going to succeed. Like, what is the point of failing them at this? You know, like, why would I let them fail if it's just going to stop the story? Investigation is a is a really good point for that. So there's investigation that happens in the heat of the moment. You're in battle and you're trying to frisk a body to try and find a key for a door. And in that six seconds, yeah, you you, we're going to roll the dice and see where the story goes. That's kind of how D and D works. But should there be no conflict? There's a key hidden somewhere on the goblin's body. He only has like a loincloth and a belt with like a pouch on it. Um, your party can take half an hour to search the goblin. They'll find it if then if they have to cut him open and like search every body cavity he's got. He, they will find it. There's no way that they're gonna roll a natural one. It's like ah oh, well somehow you just 
didn't find the secret compartment in the I mean, goblin's I, exactly boot. i almost think of it as ritual spells like ritual abilities like in the idea like if you have 10 minutes this isn't going to require like effort i mean it's a will you know but it won't require a roll to see if things happen or expend you know uses of things like that like just like much how you're not expending a spell slot you're not being forced exactly. to make a check and potentially uh, fail ten, if you the, have time and you have the proficiency the 10 you know, minute ritual rule is essentially to say in a non you have the time and the inclination exactly in a non-crisis moment you can do this mm. and we need to look at all of our abilities in the very same light in a non-crisis moment if a PC that is particularly proficient at it will role play well then they do it and that's it that makes for great tabletop gaming mm. you put that like rule on the table and say yeah if you're just really good at role playing the stuff you're really great at you're gonna have people who really get into character and those characters are gonna get like larger than life they're going to be fun and interesting and they're going to do stuff and they're going to feel heroic and it's going to be awesome yeah um and i mean nothing feels worse than pouring your heart out and then failing on a little dice roll and the dm being like well i, I liked your role play but the dice just aren't in your favor yeah forget the dice and sometimes that's how the game needs to happen you like i can't just make a great role play for my attack and it missed like and just say that it automatically crits like that's not there's rules in place to make sure everyone is feeling balanced and everyone is you know still feels the weight of combat right and that there is still chance involved you know um and that excitement behind rolling a die you know like that's a big part of the game and i'm not trying to take away from that i don't think that's what either of us are arguing no. but I, i'm trying to take away from when dice end up subtracting from the game or they become they just become obstacles or the or, skills or become crutches. very much also they become little silos that we start thinking, oh, I, I need to figure out a way to investigate. I'm an invest. I just do investigation. Well, actually, behind that, okay. Well, maybe you might be a rogue with master proficiency or expertise or whatever. Um, expertise in it, and maybe you picked it. Uh, uh, you know, proficiency is something you're not. But you should look. We should back up and look at our main abilities first, and sort of say, of those six abilities, you know, what what's where's my strong suit? Where do I fit? in that and you know how do i how do i play to that in this um, idea that depending on role play an ability for a certain thing could change you know i think we were discussing the other day on a walk you know there's going to be perhaps big wizard chess there's a, a photo oh, yeah. in tasha's with like tasha and morden Kane playing wizard chess or whatever well, exactly. and, and if she's like looking you, over at him like all intimidatingly right now uh the world is watching this show called the uh, queen's gambit we've mm, exactly. all watched this and we we sort of got talking a little bit about intelligence intimidation right. i mean the amount of intimidation you see like beth Harmon, the main character is like she like like looks or like makes a certain move you know using that expertise of the game you know or of of something that you you you've studied to get inside an opponent's head you know especially if they respect that level of intelligence to a point where it would scare them yeah you know, well, like, and, and if you have proficiency and if you can role in, play it in a certain if you way you have proficiency I, in intimidation um you should be you should be trying to role play that you should be trying to show the things that your character right the old show don't tell show mm -hmm. us the things that that you're good at and and what jack has just mentioned here the idea um and this is straight up in the the rule book although it's mentioned particularly with the strength uh, intimidation combination right mm -hmm. um but there's no reason you couldn't substitute almost any ability to go along with a skill in the right situation and i think you need to be really i think dms need to be really on their toes to keep that in mind and be thinking a little bit about it to sort of think oh, you know, okay i have a player here who's super intelligent and they're trying to do like an intimidation thing like they're role-playing the you know getting into the opposing wizard's head and they're messing with them um i'm gonna be thinking okay yeah I'm gonna, yeah, you are, you're, now this is one of those moments we have reached a conflict sort of moment. I do want you to make an intimidation check, mm. but I want you to use your 
intelligence. Intelligence yeah. uh, plus the proficiency bonus. There's not necessarily an automatic success in these crises scenarios, or not crises, but like in the moment, you know, in sure. the moment as an action or, you know, in response to something, you're going to need to make the check, you know. Yeah. Our discussion of removing checks comes with the idea of a long like you have time to do this you yeah. know if like if you spend the entire day at the library with researchers like and like what the information you want the players to get is pivotal to the story then why hide it behind a check don't at that point if they've just spent oh. a whole day with researchers and they know what they're looking for i mean there may be an explanation that like the library doesn't have it or that none of the researchers there have ever heard of it but it's at some point you just got to let the players win you know like you can't just well yeah like this is just it have too. It all reliant on a dice roll rookie, to tell your story rookie dm mistake and you see it online these days or DMs who, a, they, who are used to that, the, and I'm well, used exactly. to that. And I think some of we some of it also comes from the fact that we're not doing it also just willy nilly, but we're doing it because it's written into. It feels like it's what written we into adventures, or it's written into stuff as well that the the PCs when they go into this need to make such and such a check in order to sort of go past this. But again, if there's no if there's no time constraints, there's nothing to do this, and they've got some pe- like members of the party who are actually good at doing it then just let it get done. And particularly, if you're a DM and you're trying to unfold a story that the players are, you know, interested in or hoping to, like, hook them and get them deeper into, give them the plot points. Draw them into the story. Don't make it hard for them to figure out what is going on. Nothing's going to kill your story faster than frustrated indifferent pointlessness players. yeah we're like well, Aimless, i don't know what's going on i don't care like, anymore let's just you know go see if we can be murder hobos you know like you don't want that we want to be i want to make it like the role play feel good again not just like oh well i tried to role play and it didn't work so let's just yeah. go back to combat because that seems to work for combat's me. easy combat is, is is the part of the game that doesn't require a tremendous amount of skill frankly it, I mean, don't get me wrong, it does require skill, especially in today's virtual tabletops where moving your pieces around and being in the right place and delivering the right amount of damage in the right way. It, you know, we have video gamed uh, mm-hmm. D&D so much this year because of the virtual tabletop. But because of that as well, I think we, you know, virtual tabletops take us farther away from the role playing, especially if you're playing with people who don't have webcams, don't have video, you can't see their faces. You can't see them performing or acting. If their audio quality is not great, you can't hear them very well. Um, all of that stuff diminishes greatly the role playing. If you want to be good online today, get a camera, get a good microphone. Uh, and when you are talking to other, uh, either NPCs or other players, look into your camera. Don't look at your own picture of you. Look deep into the webcam stare into their souls because they will it'll look like you're staring right at them through their screen and they will be much more touched and moved or scared or scared um by by what you're doing like this is this is the role-playing game mm-hmm. um and it's not just the tabletop combat game there are tabletop combat simulators yeah. um dnd's maybe not the best well, of them i think well it's true i mean some there it does leave some desirability but i think there's so much uh mechanic emphasis on like combat as well i mean you think of all the class they have a classic role in combat i mean barbarians aren't exactly the most skill focused like classes i think rangers rogues and bards maybe are fighters are to an extent you know but i think there's a lot of course spellcasters and their utility wizards undoubtedly druids in many cases but i think many people only see the combat side of of a character they make sure and they they i am fail at this a lot of the time and a lot of even the builds we discuss here if i've never played one and i'm just suggesting it i often overlook how i role play a character in favor of what their cool mechanic combination is and how they would be look cool in combat or the scenario like whatever like i forget many times to consider how a character would be role-played and that's honestly some of my favorite characters have just been from how i think i would role-play them Mm -hmm. and you know i i think right now uh, a lot about the okay so your brand new party 
you're you've just met up with some strangers maybe online and you're going to play you know a one-shot campaign uh and so your party walks into a bar and they all sit down on a bar stool uh, at the bar half of the characters that i meet out there maybe more than half are all just edgy grumpy you know don't want to say anything sort of types that come to the bar and it's like huh i'm just dark and moody and i just sort of like stare into my beer and they're actually kind of boring yeah frankly um yeah. their role play potential is close to zero but they're probably like got, i think it depends on the probably, player a do, very they're probably lethal in combat a very fun but, like player role player can make turn that brooding edgy character into a meaningful sad backstory that has potency in his actions but if players at the table when they first meet that character don't know that yeah. they just see you as someone closed off and however cool in your head that character concept was if you he's don't just, have the opportunity to role play them properly then the rest of the party he, won't know how he cool or she's they are. either just shy they or they are just shy or they are uh yeah, mean or grumpy, or they're they don't want to like cold or distant, or don't want to yeah. participate in, yeah. in the party's actions. And then why are you part of adventuring team? <laughs> and and so then there's the characters that come in, and and maybe again maybe this favors people who enjoy drama class. These are people who enjoy doing improv. They like doing voices, and I think even they, people who just want to hang out with their friends in a, in a funny way, you know, yeah. like, well, this is just it. Like, this is an opportunity to have fun. Like most of the most, pl most players don't have any formal experience in drama role in, playing. Yeah, exactly. And most campaigns I play in, people are just having they're just having they laugh so much. Mm -hmm. They're just having a good time. So if they've got a character that's but at all the silly and fun things yeah so the, the maybe if they do have a grumpy character but, they, but if they have a funny twist on something that the the grumpy character always does like maybe insists on buying everybody else drinks and won't hear otherwise and gets cross and angry until like everybody's got a drink at the table or and something. the funny voice or that funny thing you, know, you did or that funny character trait is like exactly everybody else who's sitting there playing with you suddenly like oh why what's going on there mm. There's and giving something. other people space but also not remaining silent at the table yeah. i mean well yeah and you you do need to give other people space like you i think we all know that moment the oxygen, when but. the dm has done their spiel right and they they turn to the party and say what do you want to do and there's like an audible 10 seconds of like well especially on, online today nothing like it's just like you know you can hear crickets for mm. 10 minutes almost as a, a rule i i don't allow myself to mute I mean, in like, you know, classes, obviously, there's reasons we mute. But, like, in – I wouldn't mute myself at, like, a real table. Like, I'm, I'm always ready to jump into a discussion yeah. or add something, not to just click a button and try and say my piece and then mute again. You know, like, I want to feel like I'm involved with the discussion. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to ad lib, to sort of throw little funny jibes and little, you know, a little extra tidbits into the background uh, as a player and I think I think you've just got to have you've got to have a role play first mindset when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons I think this game is more role playing than it is combat and I think it, that like I said what my, my real worry for the soul of this game is that we are bit by bit inadvertently Especially with Moving online away from role play. gaming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe the table was different, right? The table space, if you meet with people physically, you probably know them better. Maybe. There's still a connection there. Um, you know, there's still like this. You have a this, chance to read. They're can, sitting right there yeah, from exactly. you. You know, you, you there's can personable read, and exactly. You can read body language. You can talk to them before the game. You can get a feel of who they really are as a person or and then you can see the character being a different person. Mm -hmm. um, and so you get a sense of, of that they're in character when they are, when they're not. Those sorts of things are uh, easier for sure in person. And I think allow us to role play. So the fact that that's, that even that's strained, I feel like every time I play, I mean, maybe this is my teenage crowd as well, but from your anecdotes as well, I mean, the people we I play with, I love as my friends. You know, they are great friends. Um, but I just feel like 
I don't get the satisfaction I want from when we role play together, you know, as a party, you know? Yeah. And I think that it, a lot of it, you know, maybe person to person, group to group may, may find this problem. But I think that I want to almost not teach necessarily, but I almost want to introduce certain rules or, or certain home rules, even like this is all just home rules at this point, like to try and initiate that role play more because I've, I've heard that's from my players that they want to role play more but they feel like and this is where i'm it's saying just, it's not possible all right so and you probably you're not alone i have a well, feeling i'm really hoping that we're reaching people out there in radio land who and we're not trying to, to be critical we are just are we're thinking yeah talk from our experiences and so here's what you do stop calling for skill checks i think start yeah. calling for role play like instead of saying, "Oh, okay, well, give me such and such a check," say, "Okay, well, describe to me how you do that," and let them do it. Let them yeah. describe it, and then you can augment it as a DM. You can paint it in even a bit more. I mean, have a good awareness of your what your players are good at, like what their the PCs actually got some proficiency in, and if they are playing to one of their strengths, and again, unless there's a real, really strong reason, they can't do that. Like there is a antagonistic force in the game that you're controlling that you're putting in conflict with them then yeah then you're gonna have to have some dice to help sort this out a little bit but otherwise just let them be awesome let them get That's into true. character let Fair them enough. do their I think fun there, things. i think though there is a point to you can't just succeed at everything especially level one you're not just going to be amazing at absolutely everything and there's always the idea of using skill checks as degrees of success sure you know i mean we can accept to a point where yeah if you have 30 minutes and all the necessary tools and skills you're probably going to be able to open that like door that isn't like magically sealed this is what dc difficulty um what does he stand for difficulty challenge check definitely check i guess um it's challenge challenge So the DC number that we have set up, there's like a quick guide in, I think it's maybe the player's handbook even, maybe it's definitely in the DMs, where it's like, oh, hey, um, so yeah, like an easy check is a five and- I know, uh, yeah, medium is 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Very easy, very easy is a five, easy is a 10 moderate is 15 hard is 20 very hard is 25 nearly impossible is 30. now again this is very subjective you have to decide what does very easy mean and why is this all or nothing and is and to your point if you're a first level character what would be very easy to a fifth or tenth level character might be a moderate challenge for you, I, I think which that, also I would mean like you would DCs. fail it more because they are. I think I like the DC and I like that system because it's again, sort of what we're talking about subjective. is that I know, but everything we've said up to now is also subjective. We are not free from that criticism and what we've suggested. We, I mean, your point is to make it a little bit more subjective, you know, to make it like you can't, it's harder to mandate rules on when ability checks are necessary given the amount of time you have or the skill proficiencies or the situation that you're in you know it's it becomes uh, a dm's responsibility to think about why they're making for like why are they using these rules in these contexts but i think it's for the purposes of allowing more role play to occur and that's yeah. what you got to well, remember exactly and i think as a dm just having a yeah you, you want to keep things on the rail you want don't want to let them accomplish nearly impossible things but in your mind you know everything up to say a moderate thing what is a you know what are all the sort of tasks that they might do are those the sort of things i'm going to be you know in the game sort of allowing because they're like we have passive perceptions right we have a passive investigation uh passive stealth um you know this idea of, of if you just take you know the number 10 add the skill proficiency uh I think it's eight, actually. Maybe I'm wrong. I think that's your thing of spellcasting. I think it is eight, because I've seen passive perception below 10. Maybe that's just from negative modifiers, but Um, maybe I am wrong. And and then you just, yeah, whatever system you want to work. The idea is to try and keep the system off the table, though. I don't want to just gaming people going, oh, well, my passive is X, so I can just do this. I'm like... Role play. Tell Still me role what play. you're doing. Exactly. Passive is meant for if you're not looking for something. I mean, passive 
perception exists because it is supposed to be used like by a DM. It's contesting the stuff of whether something's unseen when it's trying exactly. to hide from you. You know, right? like it's so, you're not actively looking for something, and so passively, do you recognize something is there? Like you're not going to like making a check is actively doing something. I feel you know, and I feel like I think Z Bashu even has a video on the purposes of passive perception if you don't know z bashu uh excellent D animator content creator um known for the animated spell book amongst other things uh go check him out he has a great lots of great videos um that I, I love to watch you know he's one of my top creators but um the idea i think a lot of people like misconstrue what to do with certain abilities you know i mean there have been countless times where i've thought when will i ever use sleight of hand outside of my like i'm an oath of redemption paladin why would I ever use sleight of hand? Again, these. Why would uh, I ever use so that? Uh, but I think, certain I think ability you step, score. You step like back. Acrobatics. Well, this you know, tip, like, but step back and go. Am I a dexterity character? Is that one of my sort of go-to things? Right. As, or, or even think because we are. What do I role play to like? Start with exactly. But we'll, we can dig. You, you you drill down into your proficiencies after you answer the sort of bigger question of which of the six abilities. Am I that guy or that person, that player that gets us to, you know, sort of lean into to those sorts of things? And then, yeah, sometimes we have proficiency in off ability trait uh, skills, right? Things that, yeah, we did take sleight of hand as a proficiency, even though we aren't a dex character. And there's a reason for that, because in X my, backstory in my build yeah. of this thing, I want... This, this guy's got this thing about lifting coin purses. Um, or he's really good at hiding cards in his sleeve when he's playing, you know, poker or whatever. Uh, you know, it, it might be something like that, the reason that you choose it. Uh, and, yeah, there's a – it sometimes is hard to know what to do with all the skills. I will grant you that. Um, or And the same with the tools. Or medicine. Or I mean, instruments. You, you've been very creative with that, you know, but I think even tools and instruments to a greater degree, they aren't even listed on, like, things. They're just other proficiencies at that Xanathar's point. Xanathar's got some stuff Languages it, and, yeah. you know, like, but when do those even come up, you know? How often are you going to, like, unless you're literally an artificer who uses them as your spellcasting focus, how are Again, you going to use yes, cobbler's tools? We, we still have to stop thinking in terms of the mechanics of the game and start thinking in the role-playing portion of the game. So you're a cobbler. So you you are somebody who makes shoes. If you bring that to the forefront of your mind when you're role-playing this character, you're going to be thinking about shoes all the time. You're going to be thinking about, you know, when the you're taking short rests that you're like, you know, you're checking out the the boot leather on the bottom of all of your your party's boots and your you know you've got ways of patching it up making it feel better and putting secret compartments and, and shoes and, and hiding maybe, certain or things or maybe and, you just do such a good job of looking after the footwear of your party that and you role play it so well and you do so much that your dm is just going to be like all right you know what the next day's journey you get you manage to to get done you know, in eight hours, what you would, or yeah, you're maybe half the amount of time, or not maybe half, but maybe you save an hour or something because your feet are just feeling so good today. Or you go that ninth hour without having to make the, the roll for exhaustion or something that because you've just for the last, you know, three sessions at the table been role playing the heck out of your cobbler's tools, that it kicks in. But it's more than that. It's more than just the okay, I gained something mechanically in it. What should have happened and what definitely will have happened is that there will be this joy shared by everybody at the table. Or this joke table. or this thing or this it's, recognizable thing about your character. And about you know? the game, about the session, because you were adding flavor. Mm. And this game is so much more than its dice rolls. I think it even in, so in making more. skill checks or in the idea of role-playing, right, just your proficiency in cobbler's tools when you meet up with the noble and you see that their shoes are all scuffed yeah. you're a bit like hmm you know something's off you know you don't need to make a a check to know that it's a little odd that some sure. fancy noble is well, wearing and some a DM, wearing strange a DM shoes. hopefully figures this out too they pick up on the the 
cues. Or that if they don't, players... then you suggest I look at his shoes, you know, and you yeah. make that a, a that you a can, point. You can draw you it know? out for your DM if they're if they're a bit thick, sure. But most D, good DMs worth their salt out there, they don't know what their PCs are going to be like. They don't know what the players are going to be like before they start playing with them, and they start to meet these characters for the first time, and they start hearing them doing the same like things again and again, and they're like, okay, so shoes are becoming a part of this game. All right. Let's mm. let's put some clues in the shoes, <laughs> and and then you know you this is how it becomes a collaborative storytelling, right? As a DM, you react to the role play of your character. So step one is to encourage your players to be better role players, but then also step two is to let them go places which you weren't expecting it to go, and then step three is you responding by by shaping your world ever so slightly so that it makes sense the story ties in to what these players uh are role playing into um mm. and enjoying and having fun with and it rolls along with the theme and the jokes and the the gags and it sort of like everybody starts you know to to really enjoy uh the bigger story but i think there is a bit of contention with me whenever people lean a little too hard into what they're good at in their party roles. Because a situation I don't really like occurring is when, um, say a situation does arise where someone needs to make a check. Uh, who's and good at this? For that question. They turn to the, the rest of the group and they say, all right, who's good at this? They'll do it instead of me. You know, In some situations, if there's an entire group and I suggest anyone can make a check, then anyone could make that check. But there becomes a situation where that was the guy who went out to scout. That was the guy who stepped in this puddle of mud, you know, like mm. he or she or they need to make that check. Everybody role playing at the table all the time, what they're good at. It won't take long before everybody at the table knows, or in this, even if this is a virtual table, um, what your strength is. Mm. And then when they come up against something like that, they don't have to get all meta and say who's good at that. They're going to be like, oh, you know, little Miss Dextrous over there is probably going to be the one that we need, you know, to, you know, slip through this tiny little hole here, uh, mm. you know, this little gap in the fence or whatever. Um, or not just thinking of because they're dexterous, thinking of how they would do that. You know, yeah. a player suggesting, oh, um, I'm a halfling. I could totally crawl through that space. Or the druid going, oh, I'll just turn into a dove and flare through, you sure. know. Like or turn into a little I, rat, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to again to, turn to the idea of role play instead of mechanics. Exactly, I think it's a theme here. Uh, and yeah, just don't don't meta at the table. Who's good at what? Don't cherry pick because I mean, most of the time. Well, this is actually again okay. Actually, you know what? You actually have brought me to thinking about this. Is exactly the sort of check that it bugs me. To be honest. If we get to a point where everybody at the table is like, oh my God, I, I don't want to do this check because I'm not very good at this, but this check's in the way. And if we fail it, then we're going to miss out on something. I feel like with any check that a DM imposes, that almost becomes a player thing like, all right, we need to succeed this. So not understanding like the story implications or how heavy the role is, you know, it may even just be a fun check that the DM decided to, you know, suggest. But two minutes later, they're still debating who should make the check and the, the, the joke or the fun of the, yeah. the role has. And, is lost. and that might have been on you become, as a DM at that yeah. point to ask yourself, did I need to ask that? Did check? I need to ask that check? Exactly. If, because here's the thing, like if they fail at it and they only have one chance at it, like why? Like, why can't they just keep trying? Like, why am I failing them on this? Where And do they understand the risk versus reward going up to against this check? When the player's like, ooh, you know, I, you know, there's a, I don't know, a locked box. I want to pick it and open it. Well, it's a very delicate lock. It's got a mechanism that you've seen before that if you mess it up, this thing is going to, there's a crystal that's going to break inside and it, permanently locks the box after that you won't then you want to get your super lock picker i mean that's a situation i can um, agree with you know you want to get your super ultra yeah skill well i mean monkey, it might have been your you know? super ultra lock picker who already looked at that and went oh crap so now 
they're like they explain the situation to the party that there this is a one only sort of thing so and that's when the guy's guidance like, guidance and, exactly. and this and that and park inspiration and otherwise if they're just like they got they've got the box they've got all day the guy with the lock picks unless there's some reason like you said that you've set up for this and again there's a risk versus reward like you have to like you have to decide in your mind why don't i want them in here is it i mean is there some reason in the forces of this game are opposing them like this box belongs to the big bad guy and if they get it open and they know that belongs to the big bad guy and they get open they get serious advantage on it and the big bad guy will do anything to stop them from opening the box well now we've got a whole different thing mm. going on and and the player should know that they should understand the stakes that are at it mm-hmm. the level of conflict yeah. involved and if they they mess this up that there's there's real consequences or if they succeed there's a huge reward on the other side of it and that's the gamble that makes D fun um everything else is role play mm. yeah and i think i mean we're talking about very subjective things where as a dm you find the subtlety in in drawing that line between rope requires a check and what should be role play is is an individual choice well, i mean said, we are I, simply but, suggesting but, but, but what we both found have, both have done this and that's why i knew when you're like oh there's that check where we all look around the table and go who wants to do this i almost feel like if you get to that moment as a dm and you see that happening at the table you've made some sort of there's like uh oh wait a sec is there if they fail this, is there something bad that's going to happen, or are they just doing this? They is this going to like derail the derail like sorry lose cause us to lose momentum or derail yeah. the session in some How, way? What like, have I done wrong here? Or block the story? Like I think it comes that back to the idea. You know, you want to tell a story, and if meaningless dice rolls are in the way of like that story, like that needs right. to happen, then what is the point of those dice if, rolls? If you want to have some comedy fun, though, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's a non a really non-consequential thing that's going to happen. Yeah. So the barbarian who's not very dexterous uh, is wants to show off and he's doing like a backflip off of the bar and he's trying to land on the shoulders of the druid or something stupid. And you're like, okay, make an acrobatics check. And at that point, if regardless they, of success or fail, it's if funny. It's, you know? Yeah. Cause if he fails it, it's it, you, you know worst case scenario is a couple people take some damage or you break a table or you have to pay something i would never it's, deal damage for that but it's just yeah but it would be minor right it's so like just fun um it's about the laugh and then like telling some story they succeed it's a lot of hurrahs and a free round of drinks whatever like it's no consequential stuff but sometimes you can throw dice in just because the dice do like to have a yeah. laugh there's Trust something me, random and there the is a dice laugh to will, it. the dice will always mess you up in comedy situations and they Um, don't necessarily they're not we're not always making the case that dice rolls are bad i think it's about being more selective and when we choose to make dice rolls in favor of role play yeah if if, if, ask yourself can i replace this dice roll with calling for role play Mm. and they say "Ooh, i want to like i want to investigate tell me what you want to tell me what you do describe how you investigate yeah and no. then just have them like looking around the room and you can tell you can interact with them they're like well i what is there to look at well there's a vase all right look at the vase well, it's kind of dusty and things kind of old doesn't look like it's you know uh, been moved very much and they and you just go back and forth talking with them as they look through the room don't just make them make a room investigation check and tell them something like have some fun and if you don't want to describe the whole place like that you can be a bit like you look around the place is just you know a dirty dusty room there's like nothing of interest here uh, or if there is something of interest, like, you know, I mean, draw them towards it a little bit. Like, I sort of think, like, you find a dead body, right? You, your players, you know, open up a room and they're like, actually, maybe the dead body, forget this. They, they're they called to a scene. There's a, they're walking down the street and somebody's like, help, help, I've been robbed. And the party goes in and you describe the room by saying, okay, they have a, yep, you see there's a, there's a safe it's been broken open. Uh, you know, a bunch of uh, cabinets have been smashed. Things have been grabbed. Um, you but know, also using uh, sen- other senses, I think, is also key in description. It is. You know, it, in role play. I mean, and if they at this point want to get into like saying, okay, I look for tracks, my question has to be to myself do I want them to chase after somebody? Right? 
as a DM, do I want them to go after it? If I say, if they say, you know, can I look for tracks? If I want to, if they have to make a roll, why do I have to make the DC hard? And in fact, if that's the case, if I really want them, why don't I just say, yeah, you see the tracks going out the back door. Um, if you, if at this point I want to add the dice roll and gamify a little bit, it might be more like a really good survival check will help you catch up mm-hmm. distance yeah. with these people. Uh, a failed survival check will put you behind because you'll lose the trail for a while. Um, and again, then in moments like that, the you know you'll have the player who's really good at survival checks stepping up and tracking them down hopefully and again i'd ask them how do you do it? what do you describe what you do and and i just try to think describe what you do get get them into it like hopefully after a while you can say stop saying describe what you do and they just start doing it yeah i mean that's the eventual goal you know to almost like train yourself and as as a player or as a like you know as a dm to stop thinking mechanically about role play moments you know when unnecessary you know yeah. like great example you just said i would even be like yeah like you see tracks if they wanted to follow them at that point i'd say do you want to do anything else at this like oh okay i start to following them and then i'd be like okay uh, is there anything else you want to look at in the room do you want to do any more investigating because that that's a decision there a role play decision which would impact the chase scene later on because them investigating is like the room and spending more time looking at things means that they're like they're gonna like the enemies are gonna get further away and i may impose an investigation check at that point because there's pressure there's time pressure if they spend half an hour tearing the room apart to find clues then they're gonna have a, like a harder time catching up with the bad guys to you know yeah. bring them to justice or whatever they want to do right i i and i think you, you just you know framing those risk and rewards flame framing the conflict situation and giving the players some choices you know there's an upside to going right away or there's a you know and you might find something that way or you might find that you can catch up with them later and you want to stay here and investigate more i don't know um i think i think the idea of when you especially if you're homebrewing you're writing your own adventures is to really think about the risk versus reward, the choices. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Like, give them forks in the road where, again, different different parties might play to different strengths. I, yeah. uh, I A lot of this stuff actually sort of started me think. I got thinking about some of this. I mean, not just, it's been brewing in the back of my mind for a while, but I played a really interesting um, adventure that was in the last issue of Dragon Magazine on the the main dnd.wizards.com uh, website and it was like a game for just one person it was like a choose your own adventure and it was really stripped down because even though you make a proper character for it and even though you do have to roll a little bit in it mm-hmm. it really keeps the rolling kind of to yeah. a minimum um, and allows you to make a lot of choices in it rather than making the dice do all the choosing Mm, that's a good way to put it and yeah i think as a dm when you're setting stuff up for your players let them choose rather than the dice choose like say do you want to go after him now you know you 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 can make a survival check and catch up with him potentially or do you want to stay and investigate some more and make an investigation check knowing that you're on time pressure and that the longer you spend investigating the further the enemies are going to you know the The robbers and, are going to get away. And like, something like that instead, where, okay, it brings the mechanics back again, but allows them to sort of think, oh, I'm really good at this, or I'm really good at that, and also pursuing the things that they want to be, they want to try and do. Mm. Um, they'll inevitably want to do both, but... <laughs> like, mm, exactly. <laughs> I'm just, I haven't really thought all of this, like, completely through, and we're obviously not laying out before you a completed, well-thought adventure. We're just sort of spitballing how Examples, to sort of, yeah. how this might feel. Mock situations. But, I, you know, I'm really speaking from my heart on this. When I, I call out to DMs and players of the world to to lean into your role-playing part of your role-playing game. And if that's not the kind of game you want to run, then that's not the kind of game you want to run. Then, yeah, you just go play your video games, people. <laughs> but I know plenty of people who love combat, you know, and love thinking of interesting I ways know. to do combat and set up arenas. I mean, I know a podcast where they talk on and on about all these subclasses and spells which have cool combat use, but I yeah. think we also need to give a little bit of a time to 
role play. I mean, we, exploration we have is, talked, you know, we have talked thrown in the dump. about combat on this podcast. We have talked a lot about it. And I, I almost feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just the sort of year that we've been having. My mind has been like in fight mode. And, and now I'm sort of like, I don't know, I'm sort of maybe as the years drawing to the close sort of remembering, no, I need to use my words. Mm. I need to sort of talk this out. Yeah. Um, there was a really lovely scene in, uh, in Critical Role a month or so back as well where they were fighting yetis. Sorry, spoiler alert, but uh, they managed to talk their way out of it mid-fight. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, does everyone want to stop fighting? Everyone wants to just talk for a minute? And it's actually a really kind of cool, strange moment. Um, doesn't happen a lot, and I think I've had it happen once in one of my games, um, but only because the the bad guy they were fighting was trying to get them to stop fighting. And that's the same situation. Um, the Yetis were like, stop, stop, yeah, yeah. stop. Whoa, okay, whoa, whoa, let's stop this. Put the brakes on. Um, kind of fun. The yeah. idea that, and I think as players and DMs, if you have in your head. You can diffuse combat. You could diffuse combat without having to, everybody having to reach zero hit points. And I think there are um, some people who do get really antsy for a fight and oh, just yeah. want to fight. Oh, sure. The words roll for initiative. <sighs> you know, bum, bum, bum. We all like, at that moment, you know, we we just bring out the dice, exactly. And focus draw swords, brings, and, like, you know, everyone gets so excited. And we're all like, "Here we go, here we go!" And you know, especially pumped if you roll a high initiative roll, and you're like, "I'm going first, I'm going first, here we go, set her up, baby, let's show me the map, where is everybody, let's go." And uh, yeah, do you me wrong? There's tons of excitement in that. It, but it starts with the tons of excitement. Combat sometimes drags on and on and on. And you get to a point on. where, like, why like, are we fighting anymore, man? You know, like, I mean, sure, it's only been 30 seconds, but... It's 30 seconds, but we've played, like, for two hours to get through that, that you know, 30, 40, yeah. 8, you know, And I'm trying to be better. Seconds. Trust me, I am trying to be better at getting my turn done quick. If there is another thing I can suggest to all my, my friends, yeah, know what you're going to do on your turn. You know, you know? know the initiative order. Know... Where are you going in what order of things? Watching how all the pieces exactly. are moving on the board, thinking like a, a but there are chess also simple player. Things you can do as a, a there are simple things you can do as a DM to even make that easier. Just say, oh, like I mean, Matthew Mercer has picked up on it. You know, uh, all right, it's your turn. You're on deck. You know, yeah. and on deck meaning you're up next. You know, so they're like, all right, what am I going to do? Start thinking about it. And I think things really get slow when they're like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? And I get, uh, can I, I get retry that. that? Can I actually? Mm, actually, I'm not going to do that. You Sometimes know? when it's your okay, turn, but... you were thinking about other stuff, and then right before you, a monster went and did something, mm. and that does can change plans. It does yeah. force you to sort of think, oh, oh. Because now the dice have dictated something else is going on at the table. But I yeah. think that we're not always going to be able to make optimal decisions in battle. I mean, your character has six seconds. They're not going to be spending sure. a whole minute contemplating and what they're doing in those six here's seconds. Here's my thing. Okay, I don't... I mean, yes, while we're calling them six-second chunks, and for the purposes of mechanics, they are, I would like to add a table rule, again, to help people on the role-play front of things. I would say that let your players say more things to each other or to the baddies um, and let there be like a call and response that sort of free action sort of in there. Not just so they can, but not in just terms of, of letting them say things that help them win the fight. They're probably going to win the fight anyways. It's, I want to see like there's an opportunity to talk to the bad guys in the middle of the fight mm. to again see if there's either and let the bad guys do the same let them exactly. let them say yeah. taunting if annoying irritating things if you want your player to do something things. take the first step as a dm if you're like be the change you want to see i kind of want my players to do this you know have your baddies start talking to the players yeah. you know and let the i mean respond whoa, to them. you know like exactly they don't have to wait to their turn they can say something right then because it's more fun and then they they if that doesn't work then actions are take place and like it it's not hard to just kind of slip the the mm. back and forth with the baddies into uh, and at, and bring a little bit more role play into the game yeah um i think that's we've just got to be working harder and harder than ever to try and get more role play back into D &D at least in our lives late. i mean i'd, I'd love late. to see some more before, role play before D, D dies and if you'd love to see more role play then maybe hopefully this was helpful to you we've nearly reached an hour here yes and i think that we've had a great discussion a little bit more free form brainstormy um, in terms of what we'd like to see uh, in, in our games and hopefully in your games and you agree with some of the things we, you've suggested, you know, 
If you disagree, do we have comment forums? I don't know if we have no, that. No, because it's D&D. You just go play the game you want to yeah, play. Yeah, just play the game you want to um, play. But these are suggestions. You know, people feel like they're in a rut sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a bit of a D&D rut. You know, like I feel like I'm not having as much fun in combat. I feel like I, my, the characters I make aren't meaningful to me. But yeah. I feel like if I focus on role play... If you just want to do combat, just go do combat. We do that sometimes. I, we just, we roll out a map and we make up a character and a baddie and we yeah. just we just have a battle. There's sometimes one shot. If you want to get like that combat, oh, you want to get that combat rush. Yeah. Sometimes that's a fun, you know, make a character for combat. But I'd always also I think Ooh, yeah. love to see more role play and yeah. skill checks in combat and in our lives. Well, and and if you're going to do skill checks as a mechanic. Do it is part of like an actual contest or something that the players mm, have right. showed up at a at a country fair and there's little activities. <laughs> All right, for them before to we do. delve into a million more examples, but I'm just saying skills don't have to be, you know, they can be they can be a a thing that you do to roll. Um, mm. The way that you play combat, you can play co skill checks. That's okay too. But look, the the bottom line in all of this is work harder to get more role play in your game it is very rewarding yeah i think that's a great place to end this episode thank you so much for joining us on our mini rant mini suggestion brainstormy fun discussion this is like dragon like sun i'm jay i play the dragon i am but it's just a role that i play yeah and i'm jack but i'm not really jack and, but you're not really the son either. You just no. I'm I'm too. Francis. We're actually two guys. I'm actually French. <laughs> actually, two guys. This is an accent right. I'm doing. <laughs> no, it's not true. We are father and son, and uh, we. I don't thank even you. know this guy. <laughs> we thank you for joining in, and we we'll hope that you'll join us again next week. Tell your friends about us. Yeah. All right, everyone. Bye bye.